This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Life is full of awesome what-ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at UH1.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This is the besotted Pride of West London podcast and I'm feeling a bit warmer than the last time I was on the podcast. Absolutely freezing up in Blackburn. We've got a bit of a snap cold up there and it obviously affected the players because the way that they played and the way that defended was a little bit icy, it has to be said. But let's forget about that because I'm actually sitting in the warmth now in a lovely pub in Kew. Not our usual pub, you're probably thinking, ah, we're in the old one by the river, but nah, 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 not this time, mate. We've gone flipping trains, planes and automobiles this time, and we're sitting by the railway track. We're at the Tap on the Line pub, right in Cubridge Station. So, Kew Gardens Station even, I keep saying that, Kew Gardens Station. So you come off the train, off the platform, and you're into the pub in Kew Gardens Station, Tap on the Line. I think it used to be called the Firkin and... Phoenix and Firkin or something like that back in the day or the Flower and the Firkin and the Phoenix but now it's the tap of the line it's a wicked little pub and it's mad as well we got inside here absolutely mental absolutely chocker block as we got off here um, obviously everyone comes out of Q Station has a few drinks before they go home and you can't get a seat and then all of a sudden it's all chilled out after that but anyway I'm feeling pretty good Despite the fact that we had a horrendous match on Saturday, where Brentford's defending was just all over the place and we didn't get any points up at Blackburn, I'm Billy Grant, and I'm sitting here with my pals in the tap of the line, and I've got Mr Dave Lane. How are you, Dave? I know you weren't feeling too well last week. You feeling a bit better now? I'm not. I'm not feeling any better at all, Bill. I'm, I'm, I've got a bit of man flu. I'm feeling a bit, 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 bit down in the dumps with my, with my cold. I'm feeling a bit like um, a wheezing weasel. As um, as as um, as, as uh, um, Ian Holloway has described himself, but there's, there there ends the similarities between me and the Holloway. I'm very glad about that, lady. But listen, I'll, I'll, I'll leave you over in the corner there because obviously I don't want to catch whatever you've got because we've got a few more podcasts to do between now and the end of the year. I have got. He has been there for this season. The first first appearance this season, I think it is. The Crossford. Mark, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing very well, thank you. I feel very honoured to be asked to, to come back again I think it's uh, over a year since I last came along the last time I was here we were talking about Marinus Dijkhausen so that shows how long ago it was never heard of him <laughs> but nice to be back <laughs> nice one Mark and we've got the Dutchman as well the Dutchman it's a couple of weeks since the Dutchman's there but the Dutchman is a, is a fairly regular occurrence on the old podcast the Dutch how are you I'm good mate I'm nothing if not regular uh, that's for sure uh, stat, stat fan, this is the only remaining licensed public house on a London underground platform left in the country. Indeed, and stats for us. And I'm going to ask Ashley, tell you something. I mean, like, and people out there as well, because we laugh about this. We, I mean, obviously, we go to football, you know, most of the time. We travel all over the place. And, you know, pubs are very central to, to, to football fans' lives. And uh, I'm just wondering, because we've come off there and thought, oh, this is quite good. It's a pub in a station. I mean, can you remember any other pubs and stations that you've been to? Because I, I could think of a few. There's some good ones. There's some rubbish ones out there. So, I'm a lady, come on, do you know you? I've, yeah, I've got. Well, I've got two. I've got three favourite pubs and stations. Actually, I've got the. Um, I've, I've got a very soft spot for the um, the one at Sheffield. Is it called the Brewery? No, Brewery. It's the Sheffield Tap. The Sheffield Tap. Um, the, the beers in there are always excellent. There's some really weird. And, Weird and, weird and wonderful. Always some dangerous ale in there. Um, 
And but the probably the the, the best stroke worst pub in the station I've been to is called the um, Rat Race Ale House in Hartlepool. I thought that one bad, bad boy. It's it's, it's, ti- it's, it's, it's it's tiny. It's probably you could probably only get eight people in there. It's like it's a waiting room, and they have to go. They have to sort of like um, they scurry off the back, and you order it. They go down the stairs, and they they bring back your beer. But it was pr- um, probably the drunkest I've been at a football game. Like we started we started off in there um, really early, and we. Um, we were smuggling vodka onto a, a supporters coach and service stations, and it ended up with me being not very well. That's a, that's a, that's a rumour, of course, and it's allegedly as well, because we wouldn't do any activity like that at all. Uh, the Dutchman, any, any pubs and stations that you remind, remind you fondly of, or not so fondly? Uh, not pubs in stations, no, not really. Uh, you know, I thought the one in Berry. I'm not sure where that was, or whether it was in the station or just around the corner. But that was quite fun. I remember one day. No, there's a, there's a pub in there. There actually is a pub in there. We'll, we'll come back to the Berry one. But any other ones? Uh, no, most of my London pub drinking is is probably sorry. Most of my pub drinking would be in London. So the usual suspects at King's Cross and St Pancras and missing train after train for one more drink and realise we've got to get there. But not not. So is that okay? But is, is that the old is that the old King's Cross one? Because remember there was one by the platform where you talk about the new one. Well, both. Both. I mean, I, I did yeah, like the parcel. One. One. There's a parcel oh, one which we go to afterwards now. But we used to go to that one after we come off the grain back in the day, which is right off like platform one or something like that. Remember that? Yeah, it was good. It was good. But the, other, the new one's actually not bad for a, for a station pub. I think they've done a reasonable job with that. But you know, most of those old ones clearly are disappearing, and it's uh, it's probably better use for land now than um, for pubs. Some people think. Most of us would disagree. Yeah. Indeed, Mark. Any station pubs that, that you think of fondly or or not so fondly? Well, I, I, to be honest, I'm not really a, a train traveller, so I, I don't, I can't really think of very many. The, the only one I can recall was years and years ago. I'm sure there was a pub, and I might be wrong here, but I'm sure there was a pub at Hull Station, inside Hull Station. Well, there's a hotel in Hull Station. There is, there's a hotel, and I have a vague recollection of there being a pub either on the station or right outside, because it was, I'm talking about 1970. 78, 79, one of the first away games I ever went to on my own. And I ended up staying in a bed and breakfast in Hull and I'm sure I could I remember going into a, a, a bar or a pub inside Hull Station. Whether or not it's still there, I suspect not. But that's the only one I can recall. Excellent, excellent. And coming back to the Dutchman as well, there was a station, there was a pub, definitely in Berry Station, but it's not the main um, tram station. You go around the corner and they've actually got a stream train in Berry. It goes all the way through to all sorts of places. Then there's a, there's a pub inside there. And I actually went there one time as well. I was there with the old family. As you do, you go to Berry with your family, like, you know. And uh, all of a sudden we were sitting inside the bar and then we looked outside and it just started snowing. And next minute we found ourselves trapped because we were snowed in and buried the steam trains outside with the old smoke going and all sorts of stuff and was are stuck in. So unfortunately, we our missus. We were stuck in the old pub in the station and we were there for about four hours and got absolutely hammered. But that's, you know, that's what it goes. I'm sure next time we can do a feature on pubs near stations, you know, what do you call station pubs and best and worst because there's some horror stories there, isn't there? <laughs> <laughs> wasn't there a pub in the station at Darlington when we went up? Was it, wasn't that in the station? Or next to the station? Oh, I, can't, I can't remember. I put that day from, from my memory banks. Maybe it was just close to the station. <laughs> Which doesn't actually qualify for this section. No. Pubs near two stations. That's right, that's right. We're just all trying to fill in time, as you can see now. But anyway, look, the pub in the station, wicked pub in the station. We said tap, in the, tap on the line. Um, I don't know if anyone can actually think of any other, but I'm sure there's plenty of other pubs in station. And tell you something, there's actually one pub. Wasn't it actually now near station? There's one actually just outside Glasgow Station as well as well I went to it's not actually in the station which it doesn't oh tell you what Brighton Brighton have got yeah Brighton's got a good pub in the station the cyclist it's called and there's also a, a pub right next to Brentford station but no one knows the name of it yeah, that's right. a pub with no name but, that's right but the cyclist in Brighton as well which I'd never I hadn't seen but apparently it's there for two or three years that's a really good pub in the station good one for stopping off we stopped off there before the game this season good for stopping off beforehand as well but I remember there's a pub I went to Glasgow as well for a night out around about Christmas time absolutely freezing we come out, out the station it was kind of there but sort of unbelievable station and it was completely utterly mental because we walked inside there and it was three o'clock in the afternoon and they had karaoke 
and uh, the whole place was absolutely buzzing at three o'clock in the afternoon on a Saturday afternoon they were watching Stelling with karaoke and then all of a sudden these, these two women just started fighting each other in the stage and then they just got thrown out literally flung out by the bouncers at three o'clock in the afternoon on a Saturday it sounds like the best pub in the world but um, also I know there's a lot of people listening to this and they're all screaming ah what about the pub at so and so um, just, just, just go onto the besotted uh, Twitter feed and just tell us the pub because you know there are a lot of good boozers around uh, around train stations and we're obviously uh, you know we, we need your input so give us your input. Indeed, but anyway, just going back to pubs and stations, Blackburn Rovers. I've got no idea if there's a pub at the station because I didn't actually go by train this time. I actually did the, the ridiculous thing and I, and I drove up there and I actually beat the, um, the traffic and the accident and. Uh, Airplay, there's a Bees fan that was uh, in an accident uh, on the way up to Blackburn, but luckily they weren't injured and uh, they left their car up there. They went to the game and, again, very lucky for them that the, um, the, the coach company was very nice to take all these Bees fans back. So uh, that happened, but apparently it was a nightmare for the official coach. He didn't get there till about 15 minutes into the game. Mark Burridge and the Bees players, people didn't get there late into the game. But I was lucky because I came via Shrewsbury, as you do, and I came through the back streets and through some beautiful, beautiful, beautiful country. And I managed to get myself up there into the snow, into the freezing cold. It was absolutely chipper, chopper, chapper, chipper chips. Um, and then I went to the match and it was horrendous. So we're going to talk about the match, but forget about me, what I'm going to say. Let's go and listen to what the fans had to say after the match. And not too many people had too much things to say about the game, but let's hear what they had to say after the game at Blackburn. <laughs> It wasn't great, but you know, I mean, uh, we well. it could have finished six all. Um, but you know, yeah, particularly the way the first half went, um, I thought we played well in the second half. Tried to try to get my back. Certainly, the last 10, 15 minutes, we had some great chances. Just couldn't couldn't get that final uh, kind edge just to just 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 to uh, get something. Yeah, it was it was calamitous on both sides, really. Um, you know, uh, neither defence really wanted to defend, so you know, who knew what was going to happen? I think we're very unlucky to not get something out of the game in the end. We were uh, really um, unlucky not to get an equaliser. I think you know we made some really good passing moves in that second half. There was a bit of an Alamo action going on, wasn't it? It was, yeah. Um, in the last 10 minutes? Yeah, it just didn't fall for us. It was one of those, wasn't it? If there were ever a championship game, I think that might have been it today. Uh, both team went too bad going forward, but back relatively poor, I think. Yeah, you're right in that. Yeah, it's massive, because all of a sudden it bunches everything up at bottom of the league. I think you boys aren't that far in front. There's a couple of us, Forest and stuff, that are down there. Anyone can take points off anyone, but what we've got to do is just win your own games and get a point away from home. And then all of a sudden, if you can put two, three, four results together, you get out of it. And then all of a sudden, mentality changes and everything. It's just a bit of consistency. I think everybody at league, same, you win one, you lose one. You, I mean, you had a tactic as well. I mean, you got big, you got a big, you're a big team and you were putting the ball down the wing and into the middle. And that was, uh, I mean, you were, you were beating us all over the place with that little tactic, weren't you? Yeah, Blackman bully boys. <laughs> <laughs> the only stat, as always, as they say, is the goals in the back of the net. I mean, I think we were unlucky with the own goal. We messed up with a pass in midfield and the rest is history. Penalty as well. One. Penalty, yeah. And that, again, just shows it's debatable. I'd like to see the review on that one, to be honest. But uh, I, I thought he was, I mean, I thought the sliding, I thought the slide was quite a big slide, actually. Admittedly, the skid marks that they left in the ice slush stroke snow do tell a different story. So, like I say, we'll see what happens with that one. <laughs> that's right, that's right. But look, I mean, you know, another three points, well, no, no, no more points in the bag yet again for the bees. I mean, I know this is like... You know, it's, it's one of those seasons, you know. I mean, I know a lot of people were saying, that, you know, at the end of the day, we didn't, but the first half we were, you know, weren't that great, but the second half we came back into it. Um, are you a bit despondent, you think? No, definitely not despondent. Look where we were, many. We always say this, uh, look where we were three, four, five years ago. Look where we are now. I mean, we're going to win games, we're going to lose games. Yes, it's a cold night up here in Blackburn, there's no <laughs> doubt about that. But at the end of the day, I still think we're putting in performances that are more than good enough to be a, a mid-table championship team and even better, an established championship team, without a doubt. So listening to the fans after that game, <laughs> there weren't that many fans that had something to say, to be honest with you. It was so cold, Bees fans wanted to get out of there and the Blackburn fans were just like, kind of, whatever. Very, very disappointing match that was. The fact that 
we went 1-0 up within 30 seconds. I mean, personally, I thought, I mean, standing behind the goal, we scored that goal, couldn't believe we scored it, and I thought, yes, this is going to be an absolute, we're going to absolutely whitewash these guys. It's going to be 3 or 4-0. They didn't look like they were all over the place. They made a mistake. We scored the goal. Hogan, one-on-one with a keeper, and he actually put the ball in the back of the net where recently he's missed a couple of those chances. I thought, yeah, Hogan's he's back on form as well. You know, Vibe was up there, nice little pass off by him. So I thought, yes, we are. And then I just don't know what went wrong. I mean, I know that some people are saying it was the conditions, the players are saying it was it was properly cold and it was icy out there. You know, but we just made some fundamental mistakes, you know. We were slipping all over the place, you know. But also Blackburn were playing to their strengths. I mean, they, they were proper, they were massive, you know. I mean, I think every single one of their players was bigger than our biggest player. You know, they were just massive. So what they did is they put the ball, took the ball down the wing, got the ball down the wing, crossed it into the middle, caused all sorts of mayhem, and we looked like we were all over the place every single time that we did that. And, I, you know, that's really interesting because beforehand we go, oh, we look so composed in defence. Anytime anyone came down there, crossed the ball in, we were always composed, the ball was out there. But this time, I don't know whether or not, and I'm not going to go, but, you know, people do what they want, but we've had a bit of international break, everyone's gone off, we're here, and had a bit of a laugh, and I don't know whether or not the focus isn't necessarily there so much but we were you cannot deny the fact that we were all over the place this game and uh, it's got to be there's got to be a reason for it and maybe you say it's a one-off but you know but, that, but that's a real shame but I mean, there's a couple of things that came out of that game like I said to you defensively even the Blackburn fan on that little uh, we chat to him earlier and he was just saying you know two really poor championship sides if there was a championship game this is one two poor championship sides up front, he says, both of us, we looked all right. But in defence, oh, he goes, cool, we were all over the place. And it's, I almost feel a bit embarrassed when they say defensively we're all over the place because this season, it's almost that defensively, I, I've got a bit of a pride. We go, actually, we're right defensively. So the fact that, you know, you've got an away fan, or a home fan, sorry, saying, you know, you're all over the place defensively is interesting because the Rotherham fan said that as, as well. When they said to us, he goes, oh, my God, your defence is all over the place when we played Rotherham. Um, even though they only and they only scored one goal against us, so I don't know whether or not it's that when we play these uh, not so good sides, we seem to falter. When we play better sides, we actually seem to kind of do all right. Uh, and the other thing also for me was um, the midfield as well, just slacking a little bit. You know, what I'm saying it's like sometimes we go, oh, midfield's absolutely brilliant. We go out there and you know we got Woodsy commanding and we're playing the ball out and we're just commanding the midfield. And then sometimes we just go missing an action on, and again. You know, this game, for large parts, we were missing an action, even though I'd say the second half, we did pick the game up a little bit and we were a bit, it was a bit of a shame that we didn't actually score. We could have scored, we maybe should have done in the other game. Um, and again, Blackburn fans said that, you know, you're, you know, if it was any other team, they probably would have scored against us, but you didn't because you, uh, you in front of the goal, you, you just didn't put away your chances. So, again, same old Bradford, but the one thing that I will say, and it's not all doom and gloom, is as opposed to last season, we were like terrible, like January, February, March. We were like just terrible. I don't. I wouldn't say that we were terrible this time. Certain things that we didn't do, and defensively we were all over the place. But still, um, we still look like we're kind of there, but sort of more as a mid-table side as opposed to a bottom of the league side. Laney, I guess the silver lining is we've started scoring again, and um, and uh, Hogan started scoring. He's, he's been on a barren, barren spell, and. Uh, it's almost like if, if, he's, if he stops scoring, you wonder where the goals are going to come from. I, I think probably, you know, we had a silver lining addition a couple of, couple of weeks back. I think that's probably it, you know. To lose 3-2 isn't, isn't great, you know, against a, a lowly team like Blackburn. Um, but I think the positives are that hopefully Hogan's wetted his whistle again and he might be up for continuing it against um, Birmingham on Saturday. And I think um, I think I think it's important that he does. It does it does concern not concern me, but I think it's another leveller. Is where we are. We're looking at Blackburn away as a kind of a really really awful fixture now. Where you know that Blackburn away was probably one of the highlights of our football, uh, Brentford supporting history. You know that 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 FA Cup game. That 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 was that used to be a massive game for us going to Blackburn. Now it's just a functional functional away fixture. So I think we're we're another it's, an, it's another demonstration of us being comfortable in ourselves. Where we are um, an established comfortable championship team. 
and we but we need to we need to turn Birmingham over. We 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 the 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 win at QPR kind of masks a, a, a pretty pretty shitty run of results for us. Mark, we were talking a bit earlier, and you were chatting about we talking about creativity, something that always comes up. We talk about wings, we talk about speed, we talk about you know. You know, talk, the lack of pace that we got on the side. We talk about creativity and the fact that you know, um, the fact that we don't beat seeds for teams like Blackburn and you maybe your Rotherhams and stuff like that, and we come a little bit unstuck sometimes. Is the fact that we do seem to lack, at particular times, some creativity in our side. We we're talking about, you know, Alan Judge. You know, Alan Judge and great player, and we've done very well without him. But also at times we actually realise the creativity that we're missing. Is that right? Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. I- I think the, the, the real problem this season has been that the, 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 attacking, the attacking midfield players have got to, as, as well as, as creating goals, they've got to score goals, they've got to get into the penalty box. And the problem we've got really is that Sawyers, I don't, I, I like Sawyers, I'm a real fan of Sawyers, but he doesn't get in, in the penalty box. If he's going to play as a number 10, he's got to on occasions get himself into the box. On the, on the few occasions that, that he has, he's, he's fluffed his chance. But we haven't got midfield players at the moment in that attacking three who get themselves into the penalty box. And I think the loss of McLeod is a big, big blow because I think McLeod is a player who, fully fit, could, could get you six to eight goals a season. What we did see from McLeod in the games he played was that invariably he'd have a shot at goal. Didn't manage to score one, but at least he was prepared to have a go. I also think... It pains me a little bit to say this because I'm not really a fan of Kirschbaumer. But in fairness to Kirschbaumer, whenever he's on the pitch, he's looking to have a shot at goal. He came on at QPR, should have made it 3-0. But if you think back to the games Kirschbaumer plays, however few minutes he gets, he's looking to, 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 to have a crack at goal. And I don't think we've got enough midfield players who, who do that at, at the moment. Alan Judge is a huge miss. You look at Judge, you look at Hotter, they created chances, they scored goals. You look at Sawyers, you look at um, Clark, Kai Kai, they're not really creating, they're not scoring goals. And I think that's, that's, how, that's the big problem area at the moment. I don't see much wrong with the rest of the team. Defensively, defensive midfield, striker, goalkeeper, no, not really much of a problem. But those attacking midfield players have got to start creating and scoring goals. That's right. I mean, it's interesting. Mark says that you know we're looking at our side here, and you know Vibe's just sort of kind of he's, he's edging his way back in the side, and he actually came in and he, he laid off a very good goal in the 30th second of this game, and then after that his game kind of seemed to go downhill on Saturday, unfortunately, and he even admitted that he was a bit disappointed that his game wasn't even better. I mean, where do you see you know not say the faults line, but I mean Dutch, where do you see it happening? with the players that we've got and the players that you know that maybe should be doing better or the players maybe that we should be bringing in I think I mentioned it before I'm st- I still don't really know what our formation is and I think we chop and change formations to fit in with certain players which isn't always the best way you know some of the, some of the best teams in the world you always know what formation and style they're going to play and then they put the players in to match it so, so what players do you think that we're, we're chopping and changing to fit in you know at the moment I think it's the midfield and the supporting players, isn't it? So some are picking themselves. So clearly Hogan's starting, you know, the, the back, well, the centre half seem to have made their their place, and obviously the keeper as well. But you know, the, the, the lack of a left back potentially, and then the way the sort of midfield chops and changes, and some of that's been driven by injuries clearly, and changes for that. But it does seem that when we change a player, we change the way that we play, and I think that that shows in certain games where we don't we don't know necessarily what formation. Uh, they're playing and some of the players don't seem to fit in with that and so you know I'd, I'd like to kind of know what it is that we're looking to do in some of these games are we are we changing our tactics to suit certain teams you know is it the the seven foot Blackburn players that we're trying to cope with and adjust to that which I think is perfectly reasonable tactically to do that or are we just changing for the sake of you know, shoehorning certain players into the team so to start with you know Kai Kai was a, a surprise to most people um, but it meant you know, a sort of change from the way that we'd set ourselves up the previous weeks. So I, I think some sort of clarity around that. Does he know his best 11? I don't know about that. You know, do we know our best 11 of what we've got? You know, I don't. Uh, and I think you know, for, for a team that looks to be a little bit more successful than we are, you know, genuinely be a push for those playoff places, probably needs a little bit more 
certainty in how they set themselves up game by game. And talking about, you know, do we know our best team and, you know, what was our best 11? I mean, we've got, we have got players, you know, we've got players that are with us, we've got players that are not with us. And uh, there's been loads of rumours flown around about Chota, Hota, I would say. And uh, Hota, I mean, he's, he's, he's out on his ear in Spain. Now, there's two trains of thoughts on Hota, you know, lots of people saying we want him back. Other people saying, well, not be funny. If he's not good enough for Ebar and all these other clubs, then, you know, why is he going to be good enough for us? And then the flip side argument saying, well, Ebar in the Spanish, uh, you know, Premier Division. So that's a division that's higher than our division. So, and, and also the other thing is that he is a good player. Then people flip back and say, but is his head in the right place? Does he really want to come back? You know, we only want players that want to come back and play for us. So that's the scenario. Now, I know you've been here and chatting about the hotter scenario and you've been following that quite closely, Mark, haven't you? Well, I know there was, there was a... A press story in, in Spain in the last few days suggesting that his time at Ibar is, is coming to an end and he's likely to return to London. I, I think the issue with Hotter is when, when he came here, because he was a complete unknown, we don't know whether Hotter was producing the sort of stuff that we saw here in that first season when he was in Spain before he came here or whether he was a real non-entity in Spain and suddenly came here and produced, you know, produced the goods. So... Because we don't know that, we don't really know when, when he comes, if he comes back here, assuming he does, is he going to be able to come back and reproduce that form that he showed previously? Was that a, was that a one-off? Does it matter that he's not playing in, in Spain at the moment? Can he come back here and pick up where he left off? We don't know that because we don't really know what he was like before he came here in the first place. It depends, on, it depends on his headspace as well, I'd say, to a certain extent, because I think when he came here, he wanted to come here, he wanted to play for Brentford, he was positive about us, he was excited about playing for us, you know, he had a sort of canossish type vibe to a certain extent, and he went out there and he did the business, like, you know, since then his, his star has grown and everyone's chatting about him, his wife is very famous and she's had the baby, which is fair enough, so you've got the whole family thing, you know, which creates a slight... Um, complication as well so you don't know how that fits into it and the fact is that you don't as I say know how much he really wants to play for us and that because to me that is a really key issue Laney I think it's probably it's probably best to keep this as simple as possible I think I think we need to make uh, a few assumptions and let's let's assume that if he does come back he he comes back and and he wants to play for us um, in which case he's, he's, shown, he's, sh- he's shown us uh, more, more than enough what he's capable of and what, uh, what an amazing player. You know, he, he, he will go down in Brentford folklore. Um, if he never kicks another ball for us again, he'll go down in Brentford folklore. So we know what he's capable of. Now, how, how, how did Brentford best guarantee that we get that out of him? I'm not sure we can, um, but I think... I think Brentford as a football club need to exercise the Yotta ghost one way or the other. I think we, we've spoken about this before in the podcast. We need to grab him by his big Spanish, Spaniel ears and, and make him want to play for us again. And if it fails, we've failed trying to make it work. Um, and then we might get a transfer fee for him. At the moment, we've got a five million pound player that's not worth five euros. Um, we we need closure on this one way or the other. So either he becomes a great player for us again, which I can't actually see, um, or he becomes an okay player for us and we get a transfer fee for him, maybe no more than a mil. Um, we're going to lose we're going to lose money on him from what he was worth when he was at his pomp. Um, which again opens another tin of worms is do we have to cash in on players when they're at their height because you never know, quite know what's going to happen Alan Judge we, there would have been mutiny at Brentford if we'd have sold him before that Ipswich game um, at six minutes past five after the Ipswich game we probably would have accepted three million quid for him we probably won't get 300 grand for him so you know it, it shows you how fragile it is as a footballer and, and football clubs in guaranteeing what players worth. But I, I think we need to grab Yotta back to London, stick a, stick a shirt on him, make him play. If it doesn't work out, we found out. But we, at the moment, we, we just don't know. We don't know. We don't, it's, 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 it's unsatisfactory. I mean, Potter, 
we all love hotter again to me get, and I've said this before I'm a bit nervous about it because I think that you know it's like seeing a band that you loved like you know back when you were a kid you go there and you think they're a brilliant band and then they sort of like they reform like 25 years later and you go and see them it's like this old character sort of falling on the stage half drunk you think oh no it's not really really happening so in a strange way I sort of kind of think I like to like to maintain that hotter that was before because if the signs are that he ain't doing it over there I'm just worried that he'll come back over here and, 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 and all that all that all that love and all that sort of that that that, 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 that we saw beforehand will have been gone yeah, I would give this fair enough to lady but just coming back from creativity yeah creativity as well we've got another interesting player who, uh, who we bought for about 35 pence came over here it was, it was an experiment 100% we bought him from the German third division came out here he kind of ran around but ahead of his chicken a little bit you know he did alright but um, in the end we decided the best thing to do is because we've got on, on about a sort of nine year we got about on 25 year contract or something like that you know what I'm saying he was signed when we were on the coach back from the playoff game at Middlesbrough that's right yeah that's right yeah he was signed and that's Andy Goggia Andy Goggia and he was like an experiment you know we signed him for third division side he was doing things out there his, his numbers and all that like, were all over the place um, potentially great potential but uh, tactically still had a lot to learn I think they decided they're going to send him over somewhere else to learn that game he's gone over to the German I don't know it's a second division in effect it's like you know Dynamo Dresden um, yeah, Dresden dreadful and uh, he's doing alright and there he's scored a fair few goals and he looked like that them lot out there who were rather nutty it has to be said um, I've been out to that part of the world and uh, um, personally I, I wouldn't sort of spend too much time in the, in the land of the Dynamo Dresden because uh, I'll probably be chased all around town but we won't go into that um, but anyway he's having a good he's having a good laugh out there and he scored a fair few goals now again we're talking about creativity what do we do do we leave him out there for a whole season do we bring him back do we just kind of just don't bother with him at all I mean at the end of the day the vibe that I get is that he probably seems to be doing a little bit better than and it's the elephant in the room the Kai Kai who is getting all the plaudits Crystal Palace Premier League player this that the other great player and, and Dean Smith's been very positive about him but he hasn't done what he needs to do on the pitch um, Dutchman I think Kai Kai's interesting isn't he I mean, he, he hasn't had that run potentially that someone like him would need to really establish himself so you know, just a quick word on Yotta I mean, Yotta started slowish for Brentford you know, he didn't turn it on day one you know, it took a few games before he got into it but he had that run of games and got used to the speed and the strength of the game And I don't think Kai Kai's had that yet so for me the jury's out and probably the same for, for Goggier as well. I mean, you know, he came on in fits and starts and he didn't look out of place when he came on. He didn't look a well-beater, but he didn't look any worse than the players he was coming on for. And again, perhaps some of those people just need a run to, to do it. I guess it depends on what sort of size of squad we're looking to create and how many people we can hold in a squad for a club the size of ours and how many we can keep happy. You know, the B team obviously is helping a bit with some, some better quality fixtures that these guys can now get some decent game time against opposition that, that stretches them but you know we, being the size of squad we are you know, we, we're not used to having those sort of decisions and I think some, someone like Yotta sometimes people just do have a fantastic year and they never get it again and I'm, I think I'm really with with, with Lena that I don't think we'll ever see him back as he was for, whether he comes back at all is a different story but I don't think he'll ever recreate that for us and personally there's a, there's a rather large bit of me that I hope he doesn't come back for that reason because I'd rather kind of keep that memory as it was and he can be the player that I loved than the man who kicked Andy Feely out of my all-time Brentford 11. Yeah, it's like, it's like when Bob Booker come back the second time, really. That's just the way I like to look at his dad. No, I, I, I'm, being, I'm being facetious. Uh, no, you're not. No, I'm not. <laughs> um, uh, Andy Goggia. Okay, so, so we, we got rid of Andy Goggia. We loaned him off to Dynamo Dreadful and at a time where we were crying out for wide players and we we needed width in our team and I said it I said it on the podcast at the time it doesn't make sense although he isn't proven it's not the finished article by by a country mile um, we were prepared to to take punts on rookie wingers like Josh Clark um, and Kai Kai coming in um, where and, and, and Goggia was, was loaned out and, he, and he's proved that with a decent run in the team um, he, he, can, he can score goals from wide positions and that's, 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 quite, that's, that's quite a skill um, 
where we need we are currently needing goals from every department we're relying on we're relying on one player to score goals for Brentford we need we need lots of players to chip in with them um, so I, I, I'm not saying it's a mistake to get rid of Gogia but it didn't really stack up um, sometimes you you need to had we really seen what he was capable of, had, had, had we seen it in the first thing, I'm not, I'm not sure. Um, I was going to say, Josh Clark's interesting, isn't he? Because he's been in and out, and he's been a, a much improved player, and you know, one of the best players in some of the last few games. And that's come from having an extended run in the side. And you know, until you give people that opportunity, you never really see what they do. That's really hard. You know, it's really hard to give someone like Clark you know, or Goggy or anybody else that, that opportunity, isn't it? We're, where football fans aren't particularly patient at the best of times. Brentford are no exception to that. You know, there's people on both sides of the ground behind the goals who will cane someone after you know a bad half an hour, and that could be their career. And Yotta coming back, one stinking game from Yotta, and you know that, that will be no different for him, I think. So you, you can't experiment with everybody, and it sounds like Clark's the one they've backed, and so far that seems to have borne fruition. So you know, perhaps it's not such a bad choice. I, I, I agree with that. I think that's a really good point to make. But the thing I would say about Gogier is, don't forget, when we signed Gogier, he was signed on a four-year contract. That suggests that they, they knew that he was going to be a, a long work in progress, which does make it puzzling. I agree that he's been setting out for a year's loan. Because yeah, yeah but, but also I think the thing about it is that I think his wage is about 50 pence a week as well. So you can afford to, 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 to play a little bit more than you can have with other players. But... but, but the, the counter-argument to that, in, in a sense, is that I've seen a lot of the B-team this year, and I think there are B-team players who probably are almost more worthy of a place in the first-team squad than, than Goggier is. So, you know... I like, think, like who? Just interesting. Well, I think... I was afraid you were going to ask me that, because the player, I think, who is outstanding in the B-team is a player who I think is called... Chatsy Theodoridis. Yeah, yeah, he's brilliant. Yeah, you got it, mate. Yeah, and the left, the left back. He's great. He's brilliant. He's brilliant. He, he's superb. And I noticed he played in the, in the B team today, and he actually played further forward on the left wing. Again, please, Mark. Mark, Mark, what's what was the result today as well? Who they play? Uh, it was a nil-nil draw against Chelsea against okay. the Chelsea team, and Tom Field played at left back for the B team, but. Um, Chatsy Theodoridis played further forward on they the played further forward okay that's interesting so you know again and again we, because we were talking about the beta we talked about them the last podcast and the previous podcast and Ali Mullally who was here on the last podcast she went to the Man United game she saw um, him and she it was the first time that she pulled out the hat she said brilliant and when we went to go and see them play against Liverpool as well we thought that he was brilliant against them Chatsy as well Theory yeah that's it. right you know so it, it seems to be a common consensus out of a lot of people out here and I think, it, like I said, he was on the bench a few weeks ago as well. Was, so, yeah. listen, you know, maybe we, we need to give him a chance. Yeah, maybe. He's, he's a, I think he's 19 years old. You can see he's had a really good pedigree at Arsenal. And, and I think, you know, when, when you see young players like that, you, you're almost willing them to get a place on the bench and hope they may get an opportunity because they're the sort of players who suddenly they come on and, and you know, their, their career kicks off. So... I'd, I'd love to see him get an opportunity. So, so I mean, I'm, I'm going to... And listen, I hear what you're saying as well. And this comes back to, again, we're bringing back a lot of conversations. But these conversations, as you do, you start them off some weeks and you talk about them for a minute or two. Then they start festering and they start beginning over. We're just coming back to the B team again now because, again, we talked about the fact that the style of football they played. Ali's saying that they play with a lot of pace and they look like the, the, the football they played was, was the football that our first team should be playing. We're coming back to Fleming Pedersen who is the guy that runs the B team, OK? And uh, he seems to be all, you know, he seems to kind of know what's going on. He seems to have knocked them into shape in a very short space of time. He's had two or three roles within Brentford, been moved between pillar and post, but he's gone into whatever he's doing and he's done the job, which is very, very good. You, I think you've said that you even saw him, was it down at Newcastle? Was it you that said that you saw him on the, on the side of the pitch or Laney? Uh, it was some. It was. A, it might have been a Chinese whisper, but someone said at half time they they saw Pedersen down uh, um, by the touchline speaking to Dean Smith about you know it, it was animated about sorting John Joe Shelby out basically I think um, again I, I'm not sure that's founded or unfounded but um, I, I don't the person that told me this I've got no reason to doubt them um, and I, I think I've said before about Pedersen. Um, 
We don't. Obviously, as, as, as home and away first team fans, it's difficult to get a, a, a grasp on, on how important these, the, these characters are. Um, but there's something, something about him, something about what's happened with the B team this year that would suggest that there's something special about his stock. And I got a feeling that at some stage in the future, we're really going to regret losing him. And I. I, I whether that's because he goes and he, you know he exceeds his potential um, back in Scandinavia, but I, I got a feeling he's probably higher than that. And I, and I, I don't, I don't study the B team like I know Mark does. And I, I know Mark's got an opinion on 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 Pedersen, and and I, I, I find that quite interesting to listen to. Oh, I mean, just what's your thoughts? Well, I, I think from I've seen a lot of the B team this year and saw some. Um, development squad games last season and I think when, when you see Pedersen on the touchline you see just how tactically astute he is he's the only coach I've ever seen who actually carries with him a portable whiteboard with all these little magnets stuck over it and plays about with it during the course of the game takes it off at half time into the dressing room brings it back out for the second half if you listen to him in his interviews his post-match interviews he talks about how he he lives and breathes football and um, tactics and I think that when, when you watch the B team play that's very apparent I think the impact that he's made on that B team can't be underestimated and I agree with Dave I think he's a huge loss Dutchman I mean any thoughts on I mean we've been talking about it's interesting the players and players we should come in and the style of football I mean any thoughts no I'm interested I haven't really seen the B team other than the odd game um, last season and Interesting to hear Mark say that they play at pace and slightly different tactics perhaps than the first team because I thought part of the mantra going forward you know, under the new regime was it's the same style of football and the same concepts and tactics from top to bottom. You know, This whole managers and coaches are kind of interchangeable the way the club runs, that ethos. But you know, perhaps without having seen it myself, it sounds perhaps that that's not quite what's happening. So, I mean, listen, we're coming up to, it's December now really. You now forget that, it's December now which means that we're almost at the transfer window. I'm going to ask you. I mean, I'm going to ask you a question, guys. We're not being brutal here, but we're just thinking this is this is what's going to happen. We're coming to January, and there's going to be speculation happening. Some players will be here. Some players may be going. Some players may be leaving. We may need to bring other people in. We may need to bring other people out. We may need to maybe bench some players and bring players off the bench, or bring some B team players in, or bring people back from abroad. Mark, what are your thoughts on Brentford and exactly where we should be going? Are there players that you think should be? we should be leaving in you know I mean Hogan's the first one which is like you know I hate to say it and I think like I said after the Fulham game it's kind of the reality kind of struck home I thought listen we don't look like a top six or top eight side here and my fear was that Hogan is going to be going in this window which I was hoping we'd be able to hold on to him to at least the end of the year so that's the first thing um, that I thought about but maybe we'll get if, if he does go we'll get some money in to buy some players um, but is there is there is there anything else or anything other shifting around that you think might be going on? I, I think that the strange thing, in, in a way, to say now is that I think the situation. I think I'd, I'd say the same now as I would have said in the summer. That in the summer we were really short of wide players, and I still think we're really short of wide players because all the all the, the attacking midfielders we've got, the likes of of McLeod and Kirschbaumer and Sawyer's and McEachern, if you include him in that. Those players are all more suited to playing in the middle. When they play out wide, it's almost as if they're being played in a position that's alien to them. The only natural wide players we've got are Josh Clark, who maybe is still a year away from being a, a, a decent championship player, and Kai Kai, who hasn't produced. So that's the area where I think we're desperately lacking is, is in wide players. And we said that in August... And we're still saying it now in December. Okay, so I mean, so obviously, the, so uh, same example. Checkbook comes out. They say, okay, the Croxford. We hear what you're saying. So they go out and they buy two wide players. So that's done. What what's going to happen in the defence though? Because like technically, Rico Henry might be coming back in January or February, right? And at the moment now, we've got our record signing playing on the left as a left back, right? We've got this um, Theo, uh, Theo as well. Um, who, who else potentially can play out that side of it as well? What is going to happen? Because we've got quite a lot of central defenders. 
Well, that's the million-dollar question, isn't it? Does he change the system to accommodate three centre-backs? Or do you run the risk of, of a player like Bielens, who's obviously a, a, a classy player, he's an international player, and he looks like that at times, although he looks perhaps uncomfortable in the left-back position, but he, he's not going to accept sitting on the, on the sidelines for the rest of the season. Do you run the risk of, of losing a player like that, potentially losing Barbe? Barbe, I think, is really unlucky to be left out this season. I thought the end of last season, he, he, he was probably one of the better performers. And yet he's not had a look in this season. So it's, it's the big question. Do you change the system to, to have three centre-backs? Or, or, you know, I, I don't know the answer to that. I'd be surprised if that were the case. But I think it's some consideration has got to be given to it. As we said earlier, it's that kind of coming to terms with the fact that we're a team now, if we want to challenge at the top of the championship, that it's a squad game. And you know, we're not used to having four centre-halves. You know, we're not used to having two. Yeah, most of us who go back in the day and I think that's interesting I think probably speaking honestly the form of Dean this season has, has thrown perhaps you know, some of the, the, the plans for the year I think you know, we've all said how well Dean's played this year and he's an improved player and a, a more mature player on the pitch and that's, that's changed the way that we're, we're shaping up and clearly some people will feel uncomfortable with that situation and they won't all make the first team and we will lose some but definitely wide players you know, our success of the last couple of seasons with Canos and Yota Lessons should have been learned. You know, that, that bit of creativity, judged to some extent, you know, that's what we're missing. The more, I see of the, the more I see of this season, the more I think that this isn't the season we are going to see any checkbooks. This, this, is, this, is, this is all about um, experimentation, I think. Um, Kai Kai is probably as experimental as we're going to get in the transfer window. I can, I, in January, I can see no money being spent whatsoever. Um, and I honestly think that that might be the right thing to do this year. And in the summer, we need to do something. But um, we're not going down. Um, we're certainly going to be nowhere near the playoffs. Um, and I, I honestly think that I, I, I would be quite excited to see a few of the B team players come through. Um, I, 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 I do, I do. And, and, and so, I know some people are going to say that's really unambitious, and we should be pushing, and we should be this, and we should be that. And I just say you're unrealistic, and I'll, I'll say this year it's about consolidation, and but not just consolidation in a boring way, in a, in a in a way where we can see what our squad is capable of, and you know, what's the point in having a B team or a development squad if you never give them a chance? And I think give them a chance in the same way as Gogia, we didn't we didn't give him a chance, and he's he's proven it, <laughs> proven it elsewhere, but. It should be proving it at uh, Griffin Park. So, as we say, it's, it's November, but it's really December, so it's really Christmas almost, but we don't want to talk about that because it, we just get really upset because from since about September, people have been putting Christmas decorations up in their shops and Christmas adverts have been on the TV and they've been drumming it home to you. So let's forget about that side of Christmas. Let's, for, let's, let's think more about the warm side and the meeting of friends and coming together and all that lot because that's what Christmas is really about and uh, of course we've got our Christmas social which we need to chat about we've been a little bit kind of mellow on that we had a couple uh, social a couple of weeks ago which is a right old laugh if you go back onto besotted.co.uk and just check the podcast link there we've got the audio for that podcast uh, for that podcast which is the social with Terry Evans Iger Anderson and Marcus Gallant it's quite funny we've got our next one We've been just giving you a little bit teaser about it, telling you what's going on, but not, not too much facts. But now we can tell you we're still trying to fill out the, the full programme, the full entertainers for it. But we've got the players locked down. We've got the venue locked down. And we'll have to tell you this for a fact. It's actually quite limited in the amount of people. And you, when we tell you where it is, you can understand why. Friday, the 16th of December, at the brewery, the Fuller's Brewery in Chiswick. Right? We've got... It is the besotted piss-up in a brewery. <laughs> We've actually managed to secure a little kind of place in the brewery where we're going to have beers, we're going to have players, we're going to have a DJ. We're trying to get a comedian down there, but we're still working on that one. Yeah. We're in a bit of music and more beer and uh, wine. People drink wine and whatever like that. And try and get some food in as well. We're working on that. And like I said, hopefully the details will be sorted by the end of this week. But the fact is it's in there. And you just go to the website, you'll see a little form on there. You can register if you want to know, and we'll mail you out about the business. But this is properly limited, because obviously, where it's at, 
we, we can't have loads of people. We can only have a limited amount of people coming down there because it's not that massively large. It's a wicked place as well. We're also trying to sort out a little brewery tour, not for everyone, but for a selection of people to see if we can get sort out a little brewery tour beforehand so you can actually have a little tour around the brewery, which apparently, I don't know how much that normally costs, 20, 25 quid or something like that. We're trying to sort that out as part of the whole running, little VIP running, so you can have a brewery tour, then you come down beforehand. And then on top of that, We've got the DJ, we've got the, the, the chill-out, we've got the, the Christmas celebration, and we've got three Brentford players. And who have been locked in now? We have got Bing, Richard Cadet. Ooh, Richard Cadet in the back of the net. Yeah. We've got Carl Hutchins, and we've got Paul Gibbs. So those three Brentford players as well in a conversation with. So it's going to be a properly entertaining night. DJ, brewery, drinking, beer, pride, whatever else is like you know um, uh, Oliver's Island uh, wine we're going to get food and we can't we're we're working on the comedian the comedian that we were looking at is in America at the moment now we're trying to see if he's going to come back for our gig but um, we'll just see how it goes if not we're working on a couple of other options like I said to you yeah yeah, it is comedian so anyway but it sounds wicked so like I said to you just get yourself down because trust me it is, it is properly limited and obviously the people that came for the last two as well we're going to be mailing you straight away so that you can come in you can get your tickets you know priority and all that kind of stuff and then everybody else so um, 16th of December the Besotted Social picks up in a brewery in the brewery in Fuller's Brewery in Chiswick it's going to be it's a ticket only event very 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 limited and uh, we're sorting out the late license on that now the other thing is also it hasn't got, hasn't got a license so we have to sort out a few little run-ins as to, uh, the, the, you know, you, you'll, be, you'll be getting drinks but we've just got a few logistics that we need to sort out on that front as well like, you know what I'm saying which is all good you're looking forward to it I am mate yeah you need to sign up and um, come and have a proper Christmas with the besotted lads I won't be here. <laughs> <laughs> the Croxford, you were nodding your head. Yeah, I, I hope to be there. I wasn't around for the last one, but um, yeah, looking forward to this one. Well, good. Look forward to seeing you all there. It should be all good. Birmingham City. Birmingham City. They're doing all right, actually, aren't they? Um, they're, they're, up there in the, they're, they're up there in the upper echelons of this league, which means that they're... Uh, they're, they're, they're pushing. They're pushing for the place where, you know, if we were pushing for the place, then we may have decided not to get rid of Hogan. But that's a different story altogether. I'm not saying we get rid of him, but I'm just saying to him that if we're in the same position as them, then we'd be thinking, all right, who do we reinforce? Who do we bring in? But as we say, this seems to be a season of experimentation for the bees. Well, there's no experimentation for Birmingham. They stuck with Gary Rowett. Um, He's there and he was there for a couple and he was up and he was a bit down, but they stuck with him and now, boom, they're right in there. They play their particular brand of football, which is uh, not to my taste, but obviously it's doing the business for them. And they're, they're right up there and uh, Birmingham City, um, they're going to come down to us and it's going to be a bit of a test. However... Will there be a circus in the town? No circus in the town. The circus has moved on, it has to be said. Um, what I will say, though, is and me on a positive front... We seem to do really badly against the rubbish teams, other than Fulham, who are quite good. And when the other the, the decent teams come down, like Birmingham City, I, I hope that we'll actually kind of raise our game and stop making the stupid errors that we made against teams like Blackburn and all these other teams. So I'm I'm putting a little positive on that one. Mark, what are you saying? Well, in all the years I've been going to, to Brentford, which is 40-odd years now, 46 years, I've never seen us beat Birmingham at Griffin Park. Um, I don't know if I've just been unfortunate or ne- whether we never have but I've, I've certainly never seen us beat them and also Clayton Donaldson hasn't scored for is it since September so add those two things together and that suggests we'll probably win 3-0 coming you bees the Dutchman it's a bit like the Blackburn I don't get that excited about Birmingham anymore which is which is amazing really seeing the size of the club and how well they're doing but I guess we just played them so many times it's like oh Birmingham okay um, Fortress Griffin Park isn't quite as secure as it used to be, is it? That's for sure. But um, we do play better against, I wouldn't say against the top teams, but there's a sort of range of teams we do better against, isn't it? Sort of six down to 16 probably, and you know, not so good with the top five or the bottom five. But you know, we have historically been pretty good at home. Um, I think we are 
better than our recent results and yeah, we'll see what Smith's made of and we'll see what sort of tactics and team he comes with on Saturday but I still go into that game pretty confident the score prediction then? Oh, first on the score prediction I'll go with a very confident 1-0 uh, 1-0 as well because I know that you live like, around the corner from Twickenham um, rugby ground as well and, and when Brentford are playing at home you, have, you struggle to get in to go and see them play now, uh, have you got any sort of kind of facts or sort of kind of, you know, statistics on kind of when the rugby is happening, how Brentford do? Because do they do better when the rugby's on or, or worse? No idea. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, do you go home after the rugby and you see all these rugby people celebrating and you're going, oh, no, we've lost yet again? Or do you normally feel quite happy? Um, well, I guess our home record in recent years has been pretty good, hasn't it? So yeah, most times when you go home, you're normally feeling pretty, pretty chipper. I guess uh, England at Twickenham got a pretty decent record as well, um, you know, particularly at the moment. So uh, it's normally pretty, pretty happy all round. Is uh, I, I quite like being in Twickenham. I don't particularly go to much of the rugby, but um, I'm quite happy to get out of it for a day and watch the mighty bees rather than hang around while all the the rugby people take over my town. All right, lady, the Birmingham City are coming to town. This used to be a moment that we used to, we used to just. That was the moment we. That was the Fulham moment for us. We used to look at that being, oh my God, Birmingham City are coming down to town. We can't wait for this one. And it's not quite the same. Town, town's been bracing itself for about a year now because um, normally the Royal Oak used to, used to like, put perspex over its um, windows when Birmingham were in town. And it shut down a year ago. So they, they, they're in proper panic mode. Um, Birmingham City, I've seen a few times this year. They, they're all right. They're all right. They obviously they've got better than they were last year. Um, they're, they're no better than okay. So I, w- I watched the Aston Villa game. Villa Villa should have probably lost. Donaldson had a, a perfectly good goal, chalked out. Um, they're okay. They're no better than okay. We, we on our day we've got the beating of them, but it's just like we are so inconsistent that we we just have to be on our day. But I I, I, I feel as Mark said, you know. He may not have seen them. He may not have seen Brentford beat Birmingham in all those years, in in the same way that we hadn't been QPR in all those years. And you know these these runs end. You know they they, they, they mean nothing individually year on year. They don't just because they're, they're no better than us as a club. Just just shit happens and we haven't beaten them. So um, this year we will beat them. And Scott Hogan's going to get a hat trick. <laughs> What's the score? Three 0 3-0 to the Bees and for me put the score up front 2-1 to the Bees Birmingham City come down they've beaten us far too many times over the last couple of seasons we've been up to their place a couple of times and it's, it's been horrendous where they've just beaten us and the, and the football that they've been playing has been you know functional but again it's kind of like with Blackburn they've just done a job they've done the business on us and um, we need to really get our we need to really get ourselves back on, on track you know um, Dean Smith needs to earn his corn the players need to start concentrating and doing what they're doing and doing their jobs, like you know. And uh, for me, I'm saying that you know, technically, Birmingham City, yes, they're above us. They're coming down to our manor, like you know. But we have got the players, and we have seen us play some. Re- Look, you know, when Reading came down there, they were like, "Oh my God, you're on a, you're on another planet." So we can play good football. Right? We need to actually kind of be more consistent and do the business. So all I'm going to say is that for me, two of the mighty bees. I believe it could happen, but um, yeah, yeah, we've all scored it up. We've, everyone's given the score. We all know the score. But listen, this is the Besotted Pride of West London podcast. We've got some trains outside. The trains are just literally on the platform, whizzing past. Unbelievable. We are on. Well, what's this music called again? We always tapping. It's happening on the line. Tap on the line in queue, just from Cupid Station. You should come here actually. Wicked little buzz. Nice little vibe. Do a bit of food, do a bit of drink. You can get anywhere you want to. Stop off here on the way back from work. Stop, you know, even if you don't live around here, just stop on the way back from work. It's really you know? difficult to get a train though. <laughs> it is actually, yeah. yeah if, you know, there's no trains. Oh, there's a train just behind me actually. So, um, that's right. So, there's people at the end of the platform with the old binoculars and all sorts of stuff going on. But listen. We need to get back into this whole league thing. So Birmingham City, big game for us on Saturday. 
don't forget to check us out besotted.co.uk we've been a bit quiet the past couple of weeks because we've had a lot going on in other different areas but we're going to back and ball for December as we come into December the big December period for Christmas into the new year so check us out besotted.co.uk videos as well we've got a couple of videos going up but we still need to make like I said we've been very very busy but we'll get them up there ASAP Besotted 1992 on YouTube and also Audio Boom, we've got TuneIn Radio as well, which we've got besotted on there on our podcast. And we've got iTunes. Give us a big apparently, thumbs up. Apparently we're on Twitter as well. We're on Twitter apparently as well, like you know, but I think you know that. At sign besotted as well, you can get us on Twitter. But listen, thanks for listening everybody. Really wicked to check you all out. Check us out besotted and uh, social 16th of February we got Richard Cadet. We've got um, Carl Hutchins and we've got Paul Gibbs we've got beer we've got brewery we've got DJ we've hopefully got a comedian hopefully we've got some music we've got all sorts of stuff going on it doesn't really matter the Dutchman will be there as well we were right laugh but as we could say as you're giving us the vibes inside this place as we could say come on Yubi Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.